0: Oh boy, oh boy, I am vengeance. (laughs) Yes, yes we are, yes we are. Oh man, oh man, we're super excited because the one and only Paige, Irene Bruins, is coming on the show to talk about her short film, Anchor, and man, oh man, an up-and-comer like herself can pass on some great piece of advice.
1: Absolutely, man, and I think the most valuable piece of information that, that she gives throughout this thing is it doesn't matter where you are, you can do it just do it just start make a move get done it's a fantastic interview you guys are gonna love it
0: it really is it really is and after you listen to her interview be sure to go on youtube and watch her short film anchor you will not be disappointed guys you will not be disappointed well that is later on the show now let's get a little crazy What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we are so freaking excited because one... It's episode 177, so we're getting closer and closer to episode 200, which is a huge milestone in our podcasting career, and of course, DC Fandom was this weekend, so we have so much DC news to talk about, we literally only have one other story in the industry
1: news. Yeah, and it's a superhero story, Yeah, of course. I mean, no lie, you guys know we're geeks, I was nerd-boying out on the couch the whole four and a half hours of it, like, I I just, uh, duh, and uh, I mean... There's some exciting shit, I can't wait to talk about Yes it. guys,
0: it's so freaking amazing, I'm just gonna say. But you guys know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What's up? Guys, it's gonna be a fun one, but before we get that started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts, we got hats, we got sweatshirts, we got necks. The full uh, winter time is right around the uh, corner and we got fall merchandise on the way. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And of course, be sure to follow us at crazy and mediancap podcast so you can stay up to date with the merchandise stuff that we have coming out. But the one and only story that we have besides DC <laughs> fandom is an amazing one because everybody has been waiting. For years and years and years, much anticipation for, must anticipation, I can't even talk today because I'm so freaking excited. <laughs> I mean, everybody has wanted to know who was going to be this character. We're talking about Adam Warlock. Yes. I mean, everybody knows they teased it a little bit in one of the Guardians of the Galaxy's post credit scenes. Well, it is going to be the one and only Will Poulter. Might know him from Dope Sick right now, if Hell you're watching yeah. that on Hulu. But this guy, I mean, We Are the Millers with Jason Sudeikis and Jennifer Aniston yeah he was a teeny tiny little thing, I believe he was in like the Maze Runner franchise. But yep. this guy is fucking awesome. I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, he. I, I think – and and he's excited to play the role, which you know then it's going to be really good, right? He's he's pumped to get on, thankful to James for bringing him on. So that's going to be really good. And yeah, we had to tell you about that. I mean it's a superhero movie. It's Marvel. He's rocking it in Dope Sick right now, which is like just massive. Why wouldn't we tell you about it?
0: Exactly. And I mean I'm assuming they're going to be – Introducing him in the third Guardians, right? Uh, Ah, yes. That's what they announced. Uh, So that's very freaking interesting. And for a lot of people who only watch the
1: movies, tell us a little bit about Adam Warlock. Uh, Adam Warlock is like, um, he's the most powerful cosmic superhero uh. in in the Marvel universe and he was basically created to be the perfect human being uh. right like like you guys kind of got that from what you saw in the, in the little uh you know the after credit scene to kind of set him up um not necessarily the most powerful being in the universe mm-hmm. right a lot of people are think what about hyperion like who, who's the Marvel Superman and um but He's a badass and can hold his own in tow pretty well. And, like, when he gets into some scuffles and stuff, it, it's it's an interesting uh, storyline. Yeah. And you guys are going to see it kind of play out. I, I feel like he's when he's done with Guardians, there's going to be some stuff there with Captain Marvel. Mm. Maybe even potentially continuing the cosmic storyline with Galactus. And, and it, 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 there's potential there for a lot of different areas where they can take Adam Warlock. So.
0: Yeah. Was he ever a part of the Avengers?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Yes and no, work with them. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. Yes. Very interesting. And against them. Yeah.
1: And like, you know, oh. you know how that is. I feel like, like they're
0: introducing so many characters like this. Like uh, Marvel's version of Aquaman. I feel right. uh, like he also works with them and against them at the same time. So it's just like, yeah. it's
1: very interesting. Superhero movies, man. Comics. They get Marvel crazy. has a lot of anti-heroes. Right. Like Nam- <laughs> Namor is an anti-hero. Yeah. Right. He works with them and against them because he always does what he thinks is right. Yeah. Sometimes everybody else doesn't think. Right. then he's the villain but sometimes what he thinks is right is right Mm -hmm. and then he's a good guy you know it is what it is it
0: is but we know Guardians of the Galaxy is scheduled for May 5th of 2023 so yes stay tuned for that but now Now,
1: (laughs) DC it's time fandom I was all in last year I'm all in this year I just got done watching it all I'm sure like so many of you guys I'm drinking out of my DC cup I'm like so (laughs) celebrating and they pretty much start off right away with something that's going to cause a whole shit ton of controversy, right? Like if the storyline about, about Superman, the current Superman being bisexual, didn't already start conversations, um not all good ones. This, this one that they revealed today also I feel like going to maybe start some conversations that people aren't going to be too happy about. DC Comics is changing what Superman stands for. The company released a new mission statement for the 83-year-old icon who famously fought, we all know, for truth, justice, and the American way. Well, he's still fighting for truth and justice, (laughs) not the American way anymore, apparently. Now it's truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. I feel like that's not a bad thing. (laughs) uh, It's not a bad thing, but a lot of people are going to be like, what's wrong with America? Why are you dissing America? What's going on? Well, Jim Lee... Tried to tell us why Uh, DC's chief creatives officer and uber-super artist and uh, publisher, Jim Lee now, um, said in a statement during Fandom today, and this is what he said, I'm quoting... To better reflect the storylines that are we, that we are telling across DC and to honor Superman's incredible legacy of over 80 years of building a better world, Superman's motto is evolving. Superman has long been a symbol of hope and inspires people, and it is the optimism and hope that powers him forward with this new mission statement. Lee declined to comment further, though, as to why American Way was dropped. Yeah, you know. A lot of people across the world don't think the American way is right. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, exactly. I just feel like it's more inclusive. I don't think it's anything to dis-Americans. I feel like a lot of people are going to think that. I think it's more inclusive to everyone around the world because Superman is supposed to be someone who inspires everyone. And
1: with trying to push hard for an international audience, why not? And Superman, there's 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 no mistaking from the day he was created all the way through up to the the most current incarnation, it has always been a parallel or an equal to Jesus. Yeah. And, right. And For and sure. the religion Jesus I- includes, he brings together, he's all loving. Literally. So yeah, I think inclusive is the right word. Right. We're not we're not dissing America. We're simply. Including the rest of the world. Right. And I and I think that's that's what it is. Now send the hate, send the comments. I know, you know, but you can be a diehard American and still be for other countries. Yeah. Like you know, that's that's all I'm saying.
0: So Superman was created in nineteen thirty eight. That is Eighty three years that ago. That is correct. So that is in the middle of both of the world wars. So it makes sense for them to create a character. Like Superman that stands for justice and for all during the middle of you know these two huge wars that America was trying to put its stamp on the world. Like, hey, we're going to take care of everybody, but it's the American way. So and- that makes sense for it being the creative aspect. But like everything in the world, not only in America, but in the world, things need to evolve. So I don't think this is a bad thing.
1: Yeah, and, and – but- The the trio, right? The Trinity. Everybody knows them right? So Batman came next, 39, right? And then, uh, let's see, 80, so 38, 39, 45. Somewhere around 41, 42, if my math is right. Wonder Woman, right? Because she's celebrating 80 years this year. So they're all drastically different, but Superman was always the one that inspired hope right? right batman's whooping your ass he's about vengeance he's not about hope and inclusiveness right and wonder woman was kind of like that eh, i'm sort of there with soups but i'm also there with bats kicking some ass yeah. so, so like
0: she's a good in between yeah
1: he's always been the beacon of what is right so you know i i think you can evolve him and still have that be the message so exactly Just if you're mad you're exactly. mad i'm sorry but it, it's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with
0: it. Exactly. Exactly. If Superman was a real person, he'd be on The Bachelor. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I mean. No, he wouldn't. I feel like he would. He loves Lois. Uh, Damn it. You know, you know, he's looking for the right Lois. Uh, it'd be <laughs> oh. like a Bachelor of like all Loises. The right Lois. <laughs> the right Lois. Oh, man. Oh. But I mean, uh, you know, Superman's uh, fans had much more to dig through than just that, though, with DC fandom uh, featuring a tour of the Kent Farm with the cast of Superman and Lois, and a peek at the next season that followed with an emotional look back at Supergirl, featuring over a dozen current and past cast members, and 20 years ago today, audiences believed a boy would fly someday. Uh, Smallville debuted on the WB back in October 16th of 20 uh 2001 I should yeah. say not 2020 anything anymore because that was so long ago yeah um just four weeks after September 11th ooh, I didn't know that yep uh, terror attacks that shook the foundation of the United States audiences turn to see a hopeful vision of America with uh, the uh, pilot telling a story of an alien growing up in Kansas facing the challenges of his teenage years while feeling different smallville ran for 10 seasons and 217 episodes uh, becoming the favorite among members of the military fighting overseas in the wake of 9-11 and helping pave the way for the Arrowverse era we live in today. Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum appeared at DC Fandom today to and reflected on the impact of the series and their time working together did for themselves and so many others.
1: They were fantastic, by the way, just poking at each other like they always do. It was brilliant and I loved them. But it goes just to the point of what we were just talking about. This show resonated so well with audiences and with so many people because the country had come together after a horrific attack and it was about inclusiveness, about uniting the world against evil of course Superman resonates with that. Uniting the world against evil. That's why that show capitalized so well when it did and that is the message. Yep. And so and I also like that they they did touch on it. They 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 still and rightfully show should take credit for building where we're at now with the Arrowverse Very and sure. all of the stuff because that show ran for 10 years and did stuff that just hadn't been done before. And if that doesn't do that, I don't think we see any of what we're seeing right now.
0: I don't think so either. I think it was a very important time. I mean, even though I personally didn't watch it, I was young. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, a lot of people, I saw a lot of promos for it, and I saw a lot of older people talking about it. Older, not old, but older people talking about it. Look, I'm trying to put you some credit, give you some credit. But, I mean, I'm really happy with what it did, because where we're at now in the Air with the superhero fandom, it's absolutely <laughs> amazing. So I'm happy to be where we're at today.
1: Yeah, me too. And I'll give you a good example of, like, how how well the structure that everything was built on was that Smallville provided. Berlanti tried a superhero show prior to Arrow, right? It was called No Ordinary Family with Michael Chiklis and stuff. Yeah. And it didn't catch. It didn't go. And I think it's because it was so far strayed from what Smallville had kind of developed and built that Berlanti had to go back to the drawing board and go okay what can i take that worked so well with Smallville and incorporate it into what i'm trying to do and change it enough to be different but also build on that legacy and i think he figured that out which is why the Arrowverse worked the way it did and no ordinary family didn't mm-hmm. so um that you know it's just you got to you got to build off that foundation much like superman the movie and we'll great. get to that later we will <laughs> um, we will oh all right guys you have heard me say over and over and over and over my batman michael keaton yes still my batman and we got news about that and i'm so super pumped we'll get to that in a minute his dark knight right yeah. christopher nolan's dark Knight. mine might be in jeopardy though i'm just gonna <laughs> say that the first full trailer for the batman starring robert Pattinson, debuted today obviously during fandom now In a Gotham city saturated in rain and gloom, Pattinson's Batman, just a year into his reign as a costumed vigilante, attacks enemies with a visceral, unhinged brutality. It's true. This is probably, (coughs) I'm just going to be honest with you, the most violent interpretation of Batman so far on screen. Without doubt. I mean, and I'm liking it. Don't, don't, that doesn't mean I'm violent, that I like violence. It's just, I'm liking that. Okay. If you missed it, the trailer opens with the arrest of the Riddler, who is clearly the main antagonist, driving it as the serial killer who leaves cryptic clues with the victims and holds special fixation for Batman. Now, this is the curious part, though. Director Matt Reeves actually keeps his face hidden throughout the entire trailer, which Says to me that at some point there must be some jarring shit going on that's going to be like a big reveal right. with Riddler's face at some point. Because otherwise, why not show it, right? Um, It also provided a more extensive look at two other characters, the central characters. Um, first up, Zoe Kravitz is Selina Kyle slash Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really going to dive into the whole she's a good person at heart and talking about anti-hero again. She believes what she's doing is the right thing to do and she's trying to make a difference and she maybe the way she's going about it isn't all in, but she is a good person with a good heart and is trying to, and is trying to do it and it looks definitely from the looks of this trailer they are going to work that. They're also going to work the most important aspect that only matters to all Batman fans. She's in love with Batman, and she's in love with the guy under the cowl, and she wants to know who's under the cowl, and that relationship is clearly going to be building from the very beginning. Kudos to that. That's in the trailer. For sure. And then the other one is we finally see the penguin, uh-huh. right? Right. Now get this though. Colin Farrell says he's only in the entire movie like five or six scenes, and yet if you watch this trailer, it looks like he's like all through yeah, it. Yeah, the up second
0: in trailer it looks like that he's the man antagonist. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it's very freaking interesting. Like,
1: and scary. Like, because it really does not look not at anything all. like him. It's just terrifying. And we see Andy Serkis's, uh Elford for the first time, really, yeah. kind of, and um, I think I'm going to really like that. I, I think I'm so, to I mean, I think that's going to be really good. So, let's talk about overall thoughts on it. I kind of agree with you. I really liked the more concise first teaser trailer better, but I loved this trailer also.
0: Yeah, I really like this trailer. Uh, like I said, yeah, off air, that the first trailer I think was better, but... I feel like always the first trailers are better just because that's the initial one they work so hard for. And remember, the first one came out literally last year at DC Fandom. So we've been working on this one for a while with all COVID and everything. But with this one, it's so freaking interesting because I'm interested to see if we are at the point yet where Batman has made the decision yet if he's going to kill or not. Because I feel like... He gets like you said. He gets really freaking violent, and he's like beating this guy to a pulp. It's like, so I'm wondering if he goes too far in this one, or I mean, in the comics, did he ever go too far before he reverted back, or was that always his number one rule, not to kill anybody?
1: Yeah, no that that that's his uh, always his his number one thing. But he he, you know, tiptoed on that line a lot. Yeah. Um. And I like that, though. Pattison was talking about how that's kind of the approach, right? He's still trying to figure out Bruce Wayne and Batman and the difference between putting on the suit. And, like, because he's approaching it as right now they're basically just the same. Yeah. This is just Bruce, angry, putting on the suit and going and taking out the anger and everything. He's not really – he's learning to identify and establish Batman from Bruce. Yeah. And so I love that approach and I think I think that that's going to be really good.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think Zoe Kravitz, I mean every little snippet that she was in in this trailer absolutely blew it away like I mean she's just gonna be phenomenal in my opinion maybe the best Catwoman I will say I was a huge fan of Anne Hathaway's because like you said I am a huge Christopher Nolan fan era of that franchise but I do think that Zoe Kravitz will become my favorite Catwoman which isn't really hard to do I'm just gonna say that real quick uh but I mean you know I'm really pumped because there's so many huge stars that are attached to this thing that are playing huge vital pivotal roles that i think are just going to knock it out of the park and with colin farrell saying he's only in a few scenes that's insane because like you said and like i said like he really looks like the main antagonist in this trailer and i'm just really worried this is my one worry i'm hoping that they don't bounce around too much between... Because these are all some huge characters in the Batman universe. Mm -hmm. I hope they don't bounce around too much to where they lose the overall storyline.
1: Yeah, and I think that Matt Reeves touched on that a little bit too, and he kind of hinted at, it's a trilogy. It's a planned trilogy. He's clearly setting up Penguin. Um, And so I think they're being very careful of laying seeds for, uh, you know, number two and number three. So... I feel like he's taking great care of not overdoing the stories or or minimizing because he's got too much. He's just dropping seeds and to to set up the trilogy. So I think we're going to be okay there.
0: Yeah, and I mean I'm very interested too because obviously in this trailer and in the first trailer, honestly, we saw that – Batman was fighting some of the gang that looked like they were dressed up in clown makeup. So, are we going to see another Joker interpretation in this franchise? Mm. That's what, I mean, we've done Joker so many times with so many great actors, and I don't want to discount anything they ever done or ever did, but like, it's just a story that just keeps on going and going and going. It's kind of like, you know. The Saw franchise or just like you're beating a dead horse in my opinion, so I hope it doesn't go there.
1: Which is why I give huge props to Matt Reeves for saying, you know what, I'm going to do a Batman movie and we're not going to put Joker in it. Right. Because that's a tendency, right? And, And to be fair, it's the same thing with Superman movies. Right? There's always got to be Lex and there's always got to be Zod. Yeah. Like, why do Lex and Zod always have to be in them? There's so many other Superman villains, right? So I feel like they get caught in that trap and Matt Reeves is like, no. We're gonna do a different story. We're gonna do a different villain. We're gonna show a different side of this guy. And kudos for him for taking the chance to do it. I, I think it's gonna work too. Well, I'm wondering,
0: like, is Joker gonna? You think is Joker gonna pop up in any one of these trilogies? Any uh, one of these movies? Because I, I mean, they're kind of implying it a little bit.
1: They they are. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I, I like. I feel like Matt Reeves is very much into the the grounded reality aspect of it. And this guy is a detective at heart and, and it's like when he figures out the anger issues, this is going to be a guy that there's a reason why him and Jim Gordon become such best friends and become such allies, right? Is because they're basically the same of two sides of a coin. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where it's going. So I don't know if we see the over the top Joker type stuff, you know, um, unless they do a really great job of maybe establishing the Red Hood storyline and that he is just a thief and that he, you know, and, and go the more the detective route of the Joker story as opposed to the over the top stuff. So, you know, maybe yeah,
0: I would be fine with that, too, because I mean, in all of these er- interpretations besides Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker, we haven't really got a origin story in a Batman movie. Right, so I mean, I feel like that would be cool, and especially bringing the red hood aspect because, not to my knowledge, none of that has been seen on screen before.
1: No, I mean they 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 briefly kind of sort of touched on the fact that that I mean in Keaton's Batman, you know in Nicholson that he was a thug, that he yeah. was a gangster, yeah, you know, but he was a high up number two guy, yeah. right? Like like he wasn't some failed. You know, guy that couldn't pay the rent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, which is, I really think that that would be a good storyline to go with. I so, think so, too. Um, if they do it.
0: But overall, really excited about this one. I think it's going to be badass. And I also really like, I mean, this is just attention to detail and, like, hair and makeup and all that stuff, obviously, with Colin Farrell. But I like how they're putting the makeup over the eyes so that it's just black eyes. I think that's
1: pretty cool, in my opinion. And – props to robert for not going over the top with the voice yeah i also like the fact that he's just he while grizzled it's not you know where you can't understand him yeah like so good for him i think it's gonna be good definitely definitely
0: well fans got a major update this week on hbo max's upcoming batgirl that is starring leslie grace during today's dc fandom virtual convention screenwriter christina Hudson. Uh confirmed that the film this story revolves around Barbara discovering Batgirl for the first time, so she's getting to explore the duality that she has always had in her personality holding to Barbara's tendency to bend the rules of the law a little bit, uh, which I love that they're touching on in Titans right now too. The first concept art for the film was debuted, and it was confirmed that the Batgirl suit will have a cowl and that Batgirl will have red hair. So attention to detail. Yeah,
1: I think because I think everybody was thinking it was going to be the newer version, more of the teenage version with the goggles and yeah. you know. But it, it looks like they're going full out homage to the original Batgirl. Uh, costume which I think is going to be badass yeah. I, um I'm pretty excited about this one I love the idea that it's she's just learning who she is that she's much like what they were doing with Pattinson and Batman right she's trying to figure out this dual feelings that she has like you know I'm 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 good but Damn! I was, every now and then, I just like to whoop some ass, or you know, I mean, I like that they're kind of doing that, and I think it's going to be really exciting. She said she's training hard, and the two directors were just like freaking pumped. If you guys saw it, they were like doing all this kind of. They're like the action scenes and just bringing it home, and then and they're like it's going to build and build and build and build and build and build. And then at the end, bam! And I was just like, well, shit! Now I'm excited as shit. I want to see what that is. Um, and I, I'm excited. I, you know. Uh who is gonna I think that that while they didn't confirm it, they we have seen in the past that J.K. Simmons will be Gordon. Mm. So it's not gonna be Pattinson's Gordon, right? Um and if J.K. Simmons is Gordon, then they've all they have confirmed that Batman will be in the film. I, it's got to be Ben. Ben, yeah. right? Like because you can't have JK Simmons without Ben's Batman cuz exactly. that's been established. So, I don't know. But that said, it's also been reported numerous times and all confirmed that HBO Max is building a Batman world uh-huh. based on Matt Reeves' Batman. Yeah. They're doing a Gotham series, they're doing like you know, uh, so it's very, I don't know. it's very
0: interesting. DC has a lot of moving parts, and kudos to them. I mean, I know we said before in the past, get your shit together, but kudos to them because they, like we said, we have a lot of moving parts, and they're keeping up with everything. Honestly, putting out badass trailers, putting out bad concept art. So I'm very actually impressed. I didn't think they would, but they're doing a decent enough job to get people excited, and that's something that, honestly... We haven't seen a lot in the past 10 years for the DCEU. So that's exciting.
1: And and we'll talk about Flash in a minute. But I think what Flash is going to do by setting up the the DC multiverse is it'll be okay that there's 85 different Batmans and two different Batgirls and like all that. Because now we'll understand that they all fit into these different things. To be fair, the Flash TV show did a wonderful job with that with Crisis on Infinite Earths and explaining the multiple Earths and the multiple uh, timelines and stuff. But now we're going to finally see that on the movie side of it, and I think that's going to be really good. I think it's going to be successful. Now, if you listened to the show last week, and we know you did, and we love you for it, you know that Batman the Animated Series was my number one DC television show, right? I loved it. And we talked a little bit about it when we were talking about it, about how... Kids loved it and they flocked to it, but that it was kind of dark and that it was kind of adult-oriented, right? Well, apparently not enough (laughs) because uh, original creator Bruce Tim, who created a Batman in the Animated Series, he was talking about, as if you guys didn't see, Batman the Caped Crusader. It's going to be a new animated Batman series with J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves coming back with Bruce Tim to do this. And get this, guys. This is going to be awesome. It's going to embrace a timeless 40s style of noir type feel to it. So, very dark, very heavy, although not in black and white, from what I understand. Uh, As the early years of Batman crime fighting, uh, giving us uh, insight into how he developed his arsenal of toys and allies. Now, get this this is where I get excited. They described it as more of an adult version of Batman the Animated Series and an incredibly complex psychological story about someone in a way who needs to be redeemed. And Bruce Tim basically said there was so much I wanted to do with the series that I wasn't allowed to. I wanted to have more adult content, more relationships, and I wanted to have it more violent. And he wasn't allowed to do it, and he will in this. So I'm thinking, damn, that was pretty dark. For a cartoon back in the day, it was kind of like setting the bar. That So he wants to go even more than that. I was like, hell yes. And then J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves were talking about this version of Batman and how it's going to be told is that like Bruce Wayne is the mask. They said, Batman is Batman, and he creates Bruce Wayne as an affable excuse to so people don't realize who Batman is, but that Batman is the dominant and not Bruce, which I really think is an interesting approach on it, right? Right, because, I mean, if you think about it, it kind of
0: takes a little bit of a crazy person to go out at night dressed as a bat and kind of fight crime and fight just people in general. And if you think about him having split personalities, that's a very new, interesting take on Batman that also has a conversation about mental health, so that's very interesting. Like,
1: maybe the second that the parents are shot in front of him, Batman is born and Bruce is gone, Exactly. you know, and then it's just a facade from there. I really like that, and the only thing that was not confirmed, and it better be confirmed soon, because if this is indeed a darker version of of Batman the Animated City, it's got to be Kevin Conroy. If Kevin Conroy doesn't voice him and No disrespect to all of the other great actors who have voiced Batman. But in my opinion, if you're going animated, Conroy is the only choice. Especially if you're going to go with a dark, mean, twisted motherfucking Batman – Conroy is the choice. Exactly. That's
0: all i Oh, man. Oh, man. That's exciting, though. That's really exciting. It is. This next one I'm super pumped about because I'm called caught up a Batwoman, unlike some other people. I'm uh, getting there. <laughs> I'm close. Um, Alice and Ryan Wilder uh, could be forming quite an unlikely partnership for season three uh, in the Batwoman series. As everybody knows, I mean, freaking... Uh, Alice killed old girl's mom so what the fuck I'm very interested Um, yeah the trailer shows the two teaming up for some reason no one knows yet in the trailer Alice is released from prison and is forced to work with the Bat crew uh, much to the disdain of Ryan slash Batwoman they are seen working together out on the streets as well as in the Bat Cave with the rest of the Bat bunch the only other thing that we know about season 3 so far is that it's going to be heavily dealing with ryan's long-lost family and as well as the fact as victoria Cartagena will reprise her role in uh, from gotham as renee montoya however she will be playing a different version of the character we also know that uh, killer croc will be one of the villains this season Another recurring villain is set to be Poison Ivy, played by uh, Bridget Reagan. Yeah. So we're very excited about that. But, I mean, there's a lot of interesting moving parts in this one as well. I mean, I'm honestly so surprised that... It did as well as it did the second season because I had a lot of mixed reviews the first season. Probably not a lot of people were watching it. But you had the crowd who were just like, oh, let's give the new Batwoman a chance. And then you got this new crowd who just completely jumped on the Javicia bandwagon. And man, oh man, was it worth it because she is putting out some great content and plays Batwoman better. Batwoman better than
1: anyone I've ever seen live action in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I, I would agree. I, I, I think it's fantastic, and the, the, I got a good chuckle out of because boy, watching them, you know, when you see the um, and God for the, the life of me, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Though, but the the brilliant actress that plays uh, Alice, mm-hmm. and then you see Javicia, and they're there together, and you can really see the magic of apple boxes and camera angles, literally, because <laughs> Alice towered over her yeah. by like a foot i had no idea javicia was so small she is a tiny person and uh, it was hilarious watching it but it it was it was good um spotify because we're not done with versions of barbara gordon yet you brought up titans right we got the new movie coming and everything but spotify has completed casting its upcoming batman unburied scripted podcast series and gina rodriguez yes is apparently going to play Barbara Gordon. She'll play the daughter of former police commissioner Jim Gordon and star detective for Gotham PD. Throughout the series, Barbara will grapple with her own ethics as she tries to keep within the lines of police work, yet is finding herself drawn to Batman's self-styled method of justice. Mm -hmm. She joins a cast, as we've already told you on the show, that includes Winston Duke as Bruce Wayne and Jason Isaacs as Wayne's loyal butler and right-hand man, Alfred. Um... Cool. Right? I, I like this one. I, you know, I like that there are so many capable actors and actresses to pull off these roles, and that we get different versions. Yeah. Right. Even though the back line is still the same. Right. Here's another one with grappling between. I'm good, but boy, I'd like to push that line. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so,
0: I mean, that's what I was just talking about. Having so many moving pieces, but still giving us enough to be excited about it and to possibly be successful, which is very freaking exciting. Yes. Uh, Another one of HBO Max's hugely popular animated shows is Harley Quinn. It got renewed for a third season, as everyone knows. The animated series is the show run by Patrick Schumacher and Justin Helpern uh, that follows Harley Quinn, Kaylee Cuoco, Poison Ivy, Lake Bell, and the rest of their crew's Gotham shenanigans. And the answer to the question everyone wants to know will harley and uh, poison ivy stay together and the answer is yes it has been confirmed that they will remain a couple in season three this is a storyline that i bet not a lot of people saw coming if you weren't a comic book geek uh, a lot of that <laughs> i mean even if you were a comic book geek you never thought they would go there And they did, so I'm proud of them. But it is the time of inclusivity and diversity, and they're just fucking doing it. Yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah, and the way they were talking, it's like it's not going to be a storyline. It's just they're a couple. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And you know they're not going to make a deal of it, right? Which I love that. Um, I'm really excited about this one too because I haven't been able to watch it, and now I will be able to watch it. And I've heard nothing but great things about this. I'm talking about Pennyworth, Mm -hmm. which was basically kind of like Gotham. It's a young version of Alfred and we kind of see his. Origin stories of how he got to where he got to eventually become, you know, uh, Bruce's right hand guy. And I've heard nothing but great stuff about this. But it aired on Epics, and not everybody has Epics or yeah. had access to it. So, but guess what? We've got good news. Apparently, Pennyworth is coming to HBO Max for its third season. Nice. Now, like I said, the series aired for its first two seasons on Epics, but now that HBO Max is the center of Warner Media's Batman universe, right. duh, clearly and every other DC property, um, it's long been expected that Pennyworth would jump to in-house platform for Season 3, and it is. Um, The first two seasons... Oh, first of all, HBO Max ordered 10 episodes of it, so that's going to be awesome. And the first two seasons, if you're wondering if Pennyworth will be available on HBO Max early next year. No word yet on when the third season's going to debut. I would assume... It's going to be after you get to watch the first two seasons on HBO Max. But uh, I'm excited
0: about that. I'm super pumped to see where it's going. Definitely, man. Like you said, heard nothing but great things. So I think it's going to be good. Uh, this next one we're super pumped about because we're huge fans and love where they're going with all these characters. Titans has been renewed for Season 4 at HBO Max. The announcement came as part of today's fandom event, obviously. Season three's finale of Titans is set to air next week, October 21st. We're super excited about it, but it's by no surprise, to be uh, honest oh, for yeah, you.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So freaking pumped about this. They had a great little tease for, for the season finale with, with Jason uh, and Gar and Dick and uh, Tim Drake. It, it was hilarious if you guys – I don't know if it, they showed it everywhere, but if you missed it, I, yeah, I'm sure you can find it. It's pretty funny. But um, super pumped about it. And kudos, I thought, the way that Brendan Thwaites introduced it. He he had his uh, child with him, mm-hmm. but you couldn't see the child. They were in the backseat or whatever, and they're talking. And they, apparently they had rehearsed it. And he's like, and so we've got some breaking news
0: nothing, and, nothing. She's like,
1: no. and we've got some breaking news <laughs> nothing and then he's like no come on remember we rehearsed this and we've got breaking news titans is coming back for season three he's like season three no we we, we discussed that <laughs> it was great i thought it was really humorous and really good and uh you know just shows the personality and everything like that um but yeah we're freaking pumped i love this version of Oh my gosh, I I, I can't even tell you. It's just great.
0: Right, and it's going to be very interesting to see if that Batman ever suits up.
1: There's so many. I know, (laughs) I know. Now, as if all that Batman slash Batman family news wasn't enough Batman to get you excited, (laughs) I've got one more. One more. My Batman, Keaton is coming back. That's right. I'm so excited. Ezra Miller debuted the first look at his upcoming The Flash film during today's DC fandom event. Now, in the sneak peek, which opens in a fog, a taxi arrives at a house. Then we're inside an empty mansion, and we're given the impression that Flash can go to any timeline in any universe that he wants. And if you listen carefully, that's Keaton's Batman telling him that. That, That is definitely Keaton's voice. For sure. Um. So, and, and then he appears in lo- what looks like, because Batman is asking him, uh, and I'm assuming it's Batman, it could be as Bruce Wayne, but the voiceover, anyway, is asking him, why are you choosing to stay here mm-hmm. in this one? And clearly by showing the mom, it's because he wants to somehow save his mom. Yeah. And if you're familiar with the Flashpoint storyline, that doesn't go well <laughs> when he saves mom. Um. Anyway, then there's a moment when Miller approaches Batman, he's in the mansion, turns on the lights. And by the way, anybody who was commenting on, we don't know what Batman it is. It When he turns on the lights, it's fu- it's clearly fucking Keaton's mansion. <laughs> like, duh. Uh, um, But he flips it on. And then we see Batman approach. Only from the back, but it's clearly Keaton's cowl, yeah. right? And it's Batman approaches. And they've clearly filled him in on some plan because Barry says, are you in? Mm-hmm. Implying that they've tried to fill him. The interesting thing, if you're watching, though, and if you didn't, like, what? how do you miss this? There's three berries. Yeah. Ezra, Ezra's playing multiple roles as himself. So he's clearly grabbing versions of himself from different timelines to help with this whole thing, um, which I think is going to be epic. Now, as you guys know, him bouncing around in the multiverse now and in, the, in these different universes, right? His universe, Batflex. Yes. Ben Affleck is Batman, right? And he is in the film, there's no doubt about it, but allowing to go to different universes and different Earths, we get Keaton's Batman, who obviously is reprising the role from 89, um, and 92, Batman Returns. So it's going to be absolutely epic, and I love it. At the end, he goes to pull the sheet off, which has already been spoiled by behind-the-scenes photos leaked, but he's clearly revealing 89 Keaton's Batman Batmobile.
0: That's what I thought, Which yeah. is so
1: badass. I mean, it's going to be awesome. But I love every second of this. I am so excited that Keaton's Batman is back. I don't know if it's going to be, like, minimal in the movie or if he does play a huge role in it or, like, whatever it is. I'm just happy to see him back, back with the cowl on, back doing what he does. After all, he is the one who started it all. I
0: mean, you know. I'm I'm super excited about it too because I love what they're doing with the suit when he's running and he's got like this shit that's oh, like lighting yeah. up like the veins that are lighting up it's super badass and I just love the interaction he's having because I never really liked his character in the Zack Snyder uh movies but i i'm actually really excited about this to get to explore different like universes and like you said bringing michael keaton back and yeah it for sure was his cow i have oh, yeah. no doubt about it but i love that we're bringing all these different aspects into this film and there's gonna be so much exciting things to see and i mean it's still dark but it's not as dark and i mean We've talked about it multiple times. DC is just a dark universe. It's way darker than Marvel, even though that one's dark too in some aspects. But I love that – I don't know. Just something about it feels more homey. It doesn't feel as like stuffed down your throat as the other ones, in my opinion, felt. So I'm excited about this one a lot, really.
1: Yeah, and uh, the, what they didn't show, and I was kind of hoping they would, but anybody who knows Flashpoint storyline, the real question is, is, is Jeffrey Dean Morgan – coming back. Are we going to see our walking dead couple reunite as Thomas and Martha Wayne and right. that storyline have them become Batman and Joker? Please. Yes, yes, yes. Please do that. Um anyway, we'll
0: find out. Exactly, man. Exactly. Well, on the TV side of the Scarlet Speedster, the CW's The Flash is getting a costume upgrade. Grant Gustin will now sport some fancy footwear, the DC Comics Speedster iconic golden boots. Though the Flash has been in the Arrowverse on-screen fixture since 2014, his legendary boots haven't made their way onto the show until now. Uh, Gustin described them as the final element that he's been missing. The final touch doesn't just include the boots though, but also the newly designed center crest and the wings on the decked out red suit. The Flash will return for Season 8 with a five-part Armageddon mega event on Tuesday, November 16th on the CW.
1: I'm so super excited. This is the closest version to the comic book Flash costume now. I kind of like over the eight years that he's... Progressively changed the suit and made upgrades. Oh yeah! And when it first came on season one, I was like, "What the fuck is that red symbol?" And like, "Oh, that's not right." But I, they, they, they made references throughout the years about upgrading the suit and the technology and the different things as he was learning his powers and doing these different things. So I really like it. And yeah, the now the wings are like more like the comic and the. I'm so fucking excited! Hell yeah, man! Hell yeah! What else I'm excited to see? Because this thing's been in the works for 1,472 years. I swear to God, the Rock has since the Rock popped out of his mama. He's been wanting to do this movie and now he's finally getting to do it. After over a decade of development, fans finally got the first look at Black Adam. The feature film starring The Rock, Dwayne Johnson himself, as DC Comics' anti-hero and sworn nemesis of Shazam. Johnson unveiled the teaser today during Fandome. Now, along with Johnson's character, Black Adam also focuses on, and this is why I'm super excited, the Justice Society. Aldous Hodge is going to play Hawkman, who can fly, thanks to his special metal wings. Noah Centino as Adam Smasher, who can control his molecules and thereby change his size. Density and strength. Quintessa Swindell is Cyclone, who can control the wind. And Pierce Brosnan, this is my favorite one, as Dr. Fate, an archaeologist who becomes a powerful sorcerer while wearing the helmet of fate. Um, he must be pretty badass, too, because they were having a little pre-show, mm-hmm. and they were asking who your favorite superhero is, and Noah Centino's like, oh, I'm not even going to lie. I'm telling you, you would think I would say The Rock, but I'm not. It's I'm super excited to be in this movie because of Dr. Fate. <laughs> it's like Pierce Brosnan is badass yeah. as Dr. So now that's got me pumped, because Dr. Fate's always been one of my favorite uh, characters, so the idea that... Somebody in the film is saying his portrayal is badass. I'm so freaking excited for this. I'm
0: really excited for it, too, because I just feel like everybody's talking about Superman, 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 most powerful person, fucking badass. And I mean, of course, we got introduced to Shazam, who is also really freaking powerful. But now... Black Adam looks like he can fuck some shit oh, up, man. man. Like, when he grabbed that guy and just turned him into dust right yeah. there. Like Ooh, And the bullets boy. are all bouncing off of him, yeah. and he's like, nah, uh Exactly. And if
1: you noticed, if you paid really close attention in that trailer, one of those little people that were in there that discovered him that was standing there when he turned that guy to dust – Isis, his woman. Yeah. Yeah, she was one of them. So if if you didn't pay attention, you should go back and watch that again. That is her and she's there. Um it was a badass trailer. I think it it was a great first tease it was. at how powerful this guy could potentially be. I wish we would we saw the logos real yeah. quick, but I wish we would have seen a little bit more of the, of the JSA. Costume. Yeah, But um we will you know, exactly. I, you know, this is just a tease, so exactly. I'm excited
0: about it there. Agreed, man. Agreed. And we also got a little bit of footage from Aquaman's The Lost Kingdom that was shown today. The bad news is the studio isn't making the footage available online yet to fans, unless you <laughs> recorded it. Um, <laughs> the good news is we're going to tell you what was in it. The behind-the-scenes sizzle reel, basically what it was, featured plenty of on-set action, including uh, Momoa rocking Aquaman's new stealth suit – I'm not a fan. Um, <laughs> plus, uh, the live action shots of Yaya Abdul Mateen II as David Kane, aka the villainous Black Manta, which I'm so glad he's back. I yes. love him. He's fucking amazing. Amber Heard. Yeah, and Patrick uh, Wilson's Orm, uh, as well as the co- colorful concept art from the movie. Momoa says the stakes are so much higher for the sequel. Director James Wan says the tone for the sequel is much more mature than the first movie. And new to the Aquaman universe, are post-star Inya Moore as uh, Carson yeah. Kit, Korshin, Uh Yeah. Game of Thrones actor Palu uh, whose involvement in the project has been uh, surrounded in secrecy.
1: Yeah, I'm really curious as to who that's going to be. So right. I, I, I'm super pumped about that. It was fun. It was good. You kind of got an idea of why Momoa wanted to make it, what the storyline yeah. is. And it's, it's really true to the comic books with both Aquaman and on the Marvel side, Namor, which is about – keeping the oceans clean and keeping the environment clean and making its part that's what motivates them and drives them so i like that they're keeping to the legitimacy of who aquaman is see see uh-huh.
0: see, see see but if you guys listen to the show you'll you'll remember wally that's a very political message. This is a very political message. I'm just saying. I'm
1: yeah, just but saying. not in your face. We'll see. It, it, we'll like, see. Like, you know, it's not out yet. We'll uh, see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and if it's in your face, slap you down, beat you with it, I will say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to be. I think Momoa knows how to tell the story with it being entertaining and not, you know. It's, yeah i'm really excited plus, plus maybe i'm a little scared of momoa it's fine it's right like, i don't exactly, want to tell yeah. you you make that movie any way you want to <laughs> whatever my you man you it, whatever just you do, you do, it. do. Uh, <laughs> switching back to the gods of fury and the earth's mightiest mortal the team behind recently wrapped shazam fury of the gods offered its first behind the scenes footage from the sequel now, as you guys know, unless you've clearly been living under some giant rock, Zachary Levi returns as Shazam, the adult superhero, that teenager Billy Batson, of course, played by a returning Asher Angel transforms into when he says the magic words. Now, the new film has mythological creatures and goes to new locations everywhere from Athens to Morocco. Oh, wow. If you guys saw, this was great in the little bit of footage. The sequel has added Lucy Liu and, as Calypso and Helen Mirren as Hespera, and oh, my God, they look badass. While, of course, West Side Story star Rachel Zegler has also come on to uh, as one of the new additions. I'm guessing, I don't know if she's going to be a, a bad guy, a good guy, if she has powers or not, but she's hanging out with Billy for sure, in the little footage that they showed, and her character apparently seems to know that Billy's best friend Freddie, uh turns into a superhero and hangs out with his pals of oh. other superheroes. So, oh um, shit, <laughs> yeah, how does she know that? Right. And, um, so I'm excited though. I really liked the first one. I'm sure this one is going to be building towards the Black Adam confrontation eventually. So, um, but
0: yeah, I'm super pumped. Me too, man. Me too. And something that we're very surprised about because with everything that happened, same day streaming with Wonder Woman 2, Mm. Patty Jenkins and the OG woman, Linda Carter, revealed that Wonder Woman 3 is in the works with Gal Gadot and Jenkins coming back or their dynamic duo, and it appears that Linda Carter will be involved as well, which they kind of teased about in the second one. Yeah. So you shouldn't be as surprised about that one. But you're very surprised about Patty Jenkins because she was pissed, but she must have got paid. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> they must have mended some fences yeah, there, whatever Exactly. You know. exactly. Uh, so yeah, I'm super pumped about this. And apparently, Linda Carter, if you guys don't know, she's a, she's like a singer and does you know travels across the country doing performances like that too. Oh wow! She's apparently written the 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 main title song nice. for Wonder Woman three and it's all about the history and the eighty years of Wonder Woman and what nice. it's meant to do and uh yeah so I'm excited to just even hear that yeah um and she's grateful she said you know who would have thought that all these years later after me playing it this would just be the gift that keeps on giving right and I'm still in this mythology and in this beautiful woman that you know is thi-. and I love that and I love that Patty Jenkins does that and 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 puts her in there because you do have to pay homage right like um, by the way HBO Max has the um, the professor and the one and the Wonder Women Professor Marston and the Wonder Women or I can't remember the exact title of it but it's about the guy who created Wonder Woman yeah if you ever want to know the weird, sick, twisted shit of the history of Wonder Woman and where she comes from, watch that movie. <laughs> that magic lasso is like – it's about bondage. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it, it's mm, yeah. its a very interesting fellow that created uh, Wonder Woman. You Check it out. Just, That's all I'm just saying. Just watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> and then remember Gal Gadot and, uh, you know, exactly Linda Carter. Uh, Zolo Meriduina. And I just butchered his name and I'm sorry. You guys know him from Cobra Kai. You know, he's everybody's lovable guy. Uh, he's joined director Angel Manuel Soto and screenwriter Gareth Dunut were to talk about DC's first Latino superhero, which we announced on the show a few weeks ago that he had been cast, uh, Blue Beetle. Yes. Now, it centers on Jamie Reyes, an El Paso teen who uses alien armor granted by a strange artifact to defend his hometown. Now, get this. No footage, no kind of thing cuz, you know, it hasn't even started yet, but they did reveal some concept art for the costume and I'm just going to tell you bad Ass. Uh. It looked really badass. It's going to be a cool version. And he's pretty excited about it. Masindo himself said he hasn't seen the actual costume yet, but's confident it will deliver, saying, quote, I know for a fact that any of the other superheroes who think they have the best superhero suit, I'm calling you out for a rap battle because we have the best suit at Blue Beetle period like, I'm like okay alright <laughs> right. Um, I love that he's so excited about it though and that again more inclusivity more representation we need that I'm excited to see Blue Beetle I think it's gonna be good I think so too man I really
0: am and he's a great actor I mean he's been oh, doing yeah. amazing the past couple of years I mean first starting off on Parenthood and all those how it just continues success so oh, I'm yeah. really excited to see his interpretation of the character now I'm really freaking <laughs> pumped because everybody knows I'm a huge John Cena fan. I went back yesterday and watched his first WWE title win in Wrestlemania wow yeah 35 against JBL it was great Um, nobody else wanted to watch it with me it's fine though it's fine we still watched it Um, (laughs) we're so super pumped because we finally got a first trailer for Peacemaker and all the ladies were excited because it showed John Cena in his skivvies again (laughs) and down down in his underwear doing
1: some crazy dancing yeah some
0: Uh, crazy dancing uh, the spinoff series from the August feature The Suicide Squad will premiere on the streaming service on January January 13th. That's not that far away. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Uh, It was created and written by the film's director, James Gunn, the writer, a fucking amazing person. Mm -hmm. Uh, The show follows Cena's Christopher Smith as the events of the Suicide Squad in which Smith, a.k.a. Peacemaker, was nearly killed after betraying his team for what he believed was the greater good. Now, Steve Age, uh, Jennifer Holland, will also reprise their respective roles. Uh, from the film as John and Amelia, uh, uh, as aides to Suicide Squad mastermind Amanda Waller, who are tasked to help Peacemaker on his latest mission. It is unclear, uh, however, if Viola Davis will appear in the show as Waller. Uh, But joining them is Daniela Brooks as Leota, a new recruit uh, to Peacemaker's crew, uh, Freddie Storma as Adrian Chase, a.k.a. Vigilante, which looks hilarious, uh, who shares Peacemaker's enthusiasm for killing bad guys in a tight costume. Uh, and, uh, Liju Luigi, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> as Clemson Maroon, uh, the head of the Peacemaker team. Robert Patrick is also, uh, in this one as Peacemaker's less than loving father, which is going to be very interesting. I'm excited to see their dynamic.
1: Yeah, me too. Huge fan of Robert Patrick. I am super freaking stoked about Vigilante. Marv Wolfman and George Perez props to you because between Titans and and, and the Justice League movie and now uh, Peacemaker your characters that you created these brilliant characters are all coming to life Everywhere. live action now they created Vigilante for anybody who doesn't know first appeared in the Titans Um, it, like bad a- and that costume is about the most comic book accurate costume I've ever seen in my life of oh, Vigilante wow. they, they did a, a take of him on Arrow and it wasn't even close but this costume is straight Up, like George, how George drew it, man, right off the fucking page. (laughs) When I first, I double-take because I didn't, until they said vigilante, I'm like, was that vigilante? That's vigilante. Then they confirmed it, and I was like, yeah! So. I don't know. I'm super pumped about this one. I think it's going to be really good.
0: Right. And tell me if I'm wrong, and I maybe I'm just getting these vibes from somewhere else. Who knows? But it's a little bit of The Boys-esque.
1: Yeah. In my
0: yeah. opinion, it reminded me a lot of that, but not as dark. And I feel like it's going to be more light humor rather than dark humor. So right. I'm super excited about it. HBO Max and what they're doing with their original shows on there with the DC characters. I mean, they're just knocking it out of the park, man. They are truly a contender in these streaming wars. It's true. Highly underrated, but with all these highly anticipated shows, they're going to be a contender, man. Much more people are going to be signing up and watching this shit.
1: Absolutely. Speaking of... Awesome shows on HBO Max that they're doing just crazy, weird, wild shit with. Doom Patrol's also been, we told you about Titans, but Doom Patrol's also been renewed for season four at HBO Max. The announcement was obviously made today. Season three of the DC show is currently airing, as you guys know, with new episodes dropping Thursdays now through November 11th. So a couple more weeks, you know, uh, to wrap up this season, but... In my opinion, one of the most creative out there, best shows on television right now, for sure. Mm hmm. Completely agree. Completely agree.
0: Well, the CW has unveiled its first look at Casey Wallfall, as known, also known as Naomi, at today's DC fandom presentation. The network shared a teaser that sees Wallfall's Naomi on the case that seems to be a mysterious stunt involving Superman. Hmm. Naomi interprets her class before. Uh, Uh, interrupts her class before rushing out into the halls. After grabbing her bags to get in the center of the action ASAP, uh, Naomi skateboards through the hallways (laughs) of her school and reaches her destination. However, potentially overwhelmed by what she sees, Naomi loses consciousness, but right before the light's out for her, she sees a very familiar silhouette shoot through the sky uh the first look also revealed that the series is set to land uh uh, 2022 and it's going to be very interesting because is it going to be superman and lois's superman
1: Right, I mean, or yeah, or are we just always going to see it as like a silhouette? Right. Which, you know, I don't know. But that is not the only show that Ava DuVernay has coming up on the CW, uh, or in the DC world, not in the, on the CW, but in the DC world. Her and Robert Patino also provided a first look at their DC uh, apocalyptic series, DMZ, which we've been telling you about, starring Rosario Dawson and Benjamin Bratt. Now, if you guys remember from what we said about it a few weeks ago, the four-part limited series, which will debut on HBO Max, takes place... in the future where America is caught up in a civil war. Now, during today's event, Patino kind of described it as... A story about a fractured group of people that are coming together. There's a civil war between the free states of America and the United States of America. It takes place eight years into that demilitarized zone, where the rule of law is basically dictated by the most powerful person at any possible time, and that can change from block to block depending on who the ringleader is in that section. You know, mm. so um, I'm super excited about this, and guys, it's it's eerily kind of kind of going on.
2: I mean, right. Texas right they, Yeah, they,
1: they want to be a free state really bad <laughs> Make, you know. just, it, it could potentially be something that that we see down the line I pray to God not but it, it's relevant so I think that's going to be a really good one agreed well viewers
0: today got a glimpse at Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer the ruler of hell in the upcoming Netflix <laughs> series The Sandman the first look images see Christie donning dark attire uh, at a pair of autonomous looking wings Christie will appear a alongside Tom Strudage's Dream slash Morpheus. The series also features Boyd Halbrook, Charles Dance, David Thewes, uh, Jenna Coleman, Stephen Fry, Patton Oswalt, Jolie Richardson, Asmund Chundry, and so many freaking more. I didn't see anything about this one. so yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you don't seem happy about it. I, I well, I,
1: about I mean, I, I know that Sandman is a great, freaking graphic novel and that Neil Gaiman is a brilliant writer and that there's many interpretations of Lucifer but Neil Gaiman also did Lucifer and my only version of Lucifer that I want to see is is the one that just went off the air. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah I'm just yeah. going to leave it there. Hey, we haven't talked anything about any cartoons, right? They did. Well, Batman the Cape Crusader. I was super pumped about that and Harley Quinn. What am I doing? See, maybe I'm like you know, we did okay, so a couple cartoons. Um we did see a very brief, tiny little preview of DC's Super Pets with uh, the Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart. It's going to be a Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart movie. Right. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it looks entertaining. But don't worry because they have a shit ton of animated movies coming out, you they guys. Do. Um We're going to get Green Lantern, Super Sons, and a whole lot more in 2022. They revealed that Catwoman, Hunted, would be at the center of the animated slate for next year, but the rest of the DC Universe wouldn't be far behind. Green Lantern, Beware My Power was announced alongside Battle of the Super Sons. Younger fans aren't going to be left out. Don't worry. Apparently, we've got a new Teen Titans Go movie and DC superhero girls mayhem in the multiverse. Um, that sounds interesting, right. Uh, right? Um, and this sounds really cool. DC Showcase Constantine House of Mystery, which apparently is going to be a bunch of animated shorts centered around the <laughs> title character himself. Uh, If that wasn't enough, DC is also rolling out a 4K Ultra HD release of Batman the Long Halloween, the deluxe edition. This version of the animated film will kick the action up to an R rating, while also connecting the two halves of the film that were for easy viewing. So, fantastic. Right? I mean, rocking and rolling, man.
0: And the last one of the DC fandom, craziness. DC's milestone imprint is getting an animated movie, a new film, from writer Brandon Thomas is in the works. Uh, Milestone producer Reggie Holden and Milestone co-founder Denny's Cohen revealed that during today's DC fandom convention uh, the film will focus on multiple characters from the label which has uh, been home to Static Shock which had its own animated series from 2002 to 2004 as we all told you about as well as heroes such as Icon and Hardware. Now the film comes from Warner Brothers Animation and Warner Brothers Home Entertainment,
1: and if we don't see a live-action Static Shock in this movie, I'm going to be right? kind of like, "Come I mean, on, come on now!" I mean, <laughs> so there you go. All the stuff you need to know, everything that was kind of dropping. Um. I- we've got some good shit coming up over the next two we years, do. guys. We do, and I'm very excited, and it's
0: exciting to have exciting things from the DCEU. <laughs> I know! Like, I mean, two years ago, we were we were hammering them, man. Yeah, I'm just I mean, saying.
1: it's all Marvel, all the time. Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. You're never gonna catch them. You're never gonna be as good. You're never gonna be this. Well, but boy, they are turning that ship around. They are. They are, they are doing some good stuff, and uh, I am excited as a comic book geek to see where all this goes.
0: <laughs> agreed, agreed. And we're also excited about Paige's interview, which is right here, right now, reaching out to all the up-and-comers, breaking into the entertainment industry. She is a fellow... Pioneer, and that we're super excited for everyone to hear because her short film Anchor is out right now on YouTube, and it's just so good, guys. It yes. starts a conversation about something that's very important and that everybody needs to have a conversation about. Oh,
1: absolutely, and she does it in an entertaining way. Um, and, and she she's very like inspirational in the fact that she started going one way and realized – that's not my way. Mm-hmm. I've got to go another way and was smart enough to do that and goes into depth about how that. So, it, yeah, this is a great one, guys, for you up-and-comers for sure. Agreed, agreed. Well, here she is. Paige Irene Bruns, welcome inside the Crazy Ant form. How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you guys?
1: Oh, man, we're living the dream,
0: living the dream. <laughs> yes, staying busy as we know you are. because that's the only way to be in the entertainment industry. That's the The only only way to be. That's right. I mean, always looking forward, never looking back. Uh, (laughs) But we're super excited to have you on because a lot of up and comers are trying to break into it. And of course, a lot of people think about just in front of the camera, be an actor, be an actor, be an actor. But there's so many other different positions in this beautiful industry that we all know and love. So and you are a writer and director. So tell us a little bit about that. Was that something you always wanted to do, or did you just kind of fall into it?
2: So it's actually kind of a little bit of both. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I always knew that I wanted to do something in the entertainment world, but for a long time, I was focused on the wrong side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like many others, I was in love with acting and yeah, that's sure. really what I thought I wanted to do. Um, so I started doing that for a few years. I did auditions and did a lot of local theater and the more auditions I did, uh, I really quickly realized that I was not cut out to be an (laughs) actor (laughs) Um, being being in a room full of producers, executives, directors, or being on a set with a camera on me all the time with forty people watching me. I was like, I can't do this. Um, so I very quickly kind of took a step back from that, but was still very involved in my high school theater program Mm -hmm. because I still loved acting, just not for a career. Right. Um, And one day my director came up to me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing a series of student directed one act plays. Would you be interested in doing one? And right away I was like, um, don't know, but I'll (laughs) give it a shot. Right. Uh, So that was my first time being exposed to the directing world at all. Mm -hmm. And, I did it and there was no turning back. Mm. I fell in love with working with actors and I was like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. So from there, I then went on to film school and the rest is history. I love that
1: because, you know, I feel like so many of the best directors right are either former actors or people who wanted to be actors but realize maybe that's not where their spot is but i think that makes them actor friendly directors because they understand the pressure that the actors are under and and what the actors go through and it just makes them even a better director to to be able to approach that so i love i love that you brought that up not to mention you, you know coming from that side it helps when you make that transition to directing, you understand a little bit. You understand the actor for the camera and the blocking and the staging and all the stuff that goes with it, right? Because I feel like a lot of first-time directors, they come in and they don't know any of that either. They're like, no, it's action. And you're going to act it the way I want you to, but there's so much more to that. Right. So I feel like when you come from that other side, you have a little bit of experience more so than a first time director who doesn't come from that side. Right.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I'm so grateful that I started that way because it's given me such a better understanding of the acting craft. Right. Uh-huh. And That goes into it. It's so much more than just memorizing lines, which is what a lot of people see acting as. That's right. I'm definitely grateful that I started out in that, and I think it's really helped me as a director.
0: Definitely, definitely. And to touch on your point a little bit more, Dustin, uh, a lot of actors have egos, so it's a (laughs) great like it's a great training mechanism to figure out how to approach certain actors. What like type of phrasing you should use and different things like that because a lot of people, I mean, just in general public in the world are anxious and depressed human beings. So especially about their craft (laughs) that we all know and love, I can imagine like they just don't want to mess up. That's the biggest thing. So coming from the acting world, It's a very, very strong advantage in your game because he also came from the acting world. So that helps him to talk to actors a lot as well. And I'm I love cameras. I'm all about, you know, the shot, the cinematography. So that's why we're a really good act or directing duo. So it's been an amazing ride. And how about you? Did you come from camera background at all? Or was that just something that you're just kind of learning about in school?
2: Yeah. So I really didn't. The only exposure that I really had to filmmaking was acting. Uh Um, So that was more of my background. But then through school, I went to Ringling College in Uh Sarasota, Florida. Yeah. So that program works is you're exposed to every element of the business. Sure. And you get experience in everything. So I really learned about the shot design and camera techniques and sound design and lighting and everything through that.
0: Right. I mean, just to freaking put emphasis on how important all these different jobs are, it's kind of like an orchestra. If they all play like in the same melody, it all runs smoothly and just sounds beautiful. And I love to see it actually come to fruition.
1: Yeah, and I think it's very important because the director is basically... The, the general on yeah. the set, right? He's in charge of everything. And, I, and I've always said, and we talk about this a lot with a lot of the crew that we hire on and different things. It's like, how can you possibly direct something and, and lead people if you have no idea what these people do? right? So you can't know whether they're doing it right or wrong or whether they're doing it well or horribly if you have no clue what they do. So it's invaluable experience to learn all of the stuff that, like you said, the sound design, the lighting, you know, I mean, you bring in some layman people, they don't even know what backlighting means, right? Mm -hmm. So it's so important. And To your point with actors saying, you know, most people think, oh, they just memorize lines and they go out there and say them and kind of stuff. It's On the other side, it's so much more on the other side of the camera, Mm -hmm. too. Directing is not just sitting and shouting action, right? There's Mm -hmm. so much more that goes into it. Talk about that a little bit in your process uh, as a director.
2: Well, I mean, the first big thing for me is I'm an actor's director. And I Mm -hmm. think, again, that goes back to the fact that I started as an actor. Right. Uh, So, I mean that first and foremost is huge for me, Um, making sure that I'm always their biggest advocate on the set. Anything that they need, they're comfortable coming to me. We have an open dialogue about anything. So that first and foremost is the most important thing in my opinion. Um, And then two, being able to communicate with your crew in their language, every department on the set has their own unique verbiage and language. For sure. So as a director, you have to be able to speak to them in those terms. That's right. So knowing that is huge. Um, and then obviously all the logistics of shot design being involved in that and everything from pre-production stuff like that to post-production, sound design, color, Everything in between.
1: That's right. Storyboarding. There's so many yeah. aspects, right, that, that people just don't realize. That, that, that I love that. It's always fun to hear other people talk about, oh, they all have their own lingo. And you've got to try to like – like <laughs> we t- we talk about it all the time. And it's one of my favorite things. It's like there's no place I feel more comfortable or more at ease and love more than being on a film set. And for yeah. little things like that, just the, the, the everybody's <laughs> lingo or just the, the – the, commodity that you get from working with these people. Um, And you said something very key that that really stuck out to me. Communication. Oh my gosh. Communication is so vital on a film set. If that's not there, all kinds of trouble.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All kinds of trouble. It really can make or break your day.
0: Absolutely. Definitely. And I mean... Important. And going before you even step on set, the whole the writers' room. You got the producers. You got all these other people that are involved way before actually getting on set. So talk about that process a little bit, uh, especially for your film that you got coming out in June, Anchor. Uh, did was it like a long extended process? It is a short film, so let's talk about a little behind the scenes of it a little bit.
2: Yeah. So that film. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. It's something that I've wanted to make for a long time. I was very passionate about the topic. Um, And when I decided, okay, it's time to make this, uh-huh. I brought my producer in right away. I am someone who, as a filmmaker and a writer, I love to have my core creatives involved from day one yeah right? sure because i i know them i trust them i know they're going to give me the best feedback from the very beginning mm-hmm. and that collaboration is my favorite part of the entire filmmaking world mm-hmm. um so that's like the very first thing i do is bring in my core creatives more specifically my producer um i guess i would call him more than a producer like more a creative producer because i do like to have that story feedback from the get-go right right,
1: sure, right. Yeah, because like, so many people differ suit creative, right? Like, but it's nice to have a, a, a suit that is creative. That's always the best, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. <laughs> yes. That's, so, oh, go no, ahead. go ahead. Yeah,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. That doesn't happen very often, but there you go. Um, so, so saying that, though, you said bring in the core creatives and everything, and you keep saying you want that feedback and everything. It's so important to have that core circle, right, that's not scared to tell you no right? Because uh, again, going into what Logan said earlier about egos, it's not just actors, it's directors. It's everybody involved has like an ego and you need to be able to say, you know what? No, that can't work or that's not going to happen or you need to do this, you need to do that. And you need to trust those people, right?
2: For sure. And two, as uh, a human being who's (laughs) right, I'm only myself, right? So I only have my experience to draw from. So. If we're in a writer's room and I turn a script over to them, I'm like, hey, what do you think? I genuinely want to know from their perspective what's real realistic, and what's not uh-huh. because I can only really pull from my own experience. So right. and from what I've learned through working with my, my team is really that their opinions and their insights are so important because it sometimes makes me think about things in a totally different way than I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're absolutely right.
0: Definitely, definitely. And something that, of course, we want to talk about is Anchor, like we said a little bit before. Let's give all the listeners a quick elevator pitch. What is it about? (laughs) Because I think it's a very important topic that a lot of people need to talk about. So let's give everybody the info. (laughs) Sure.
2: So Anchor is a short film about a really smart very independent college student named Haley Emerson Mm -hmm. who experiences a traumatic sexual assault at a party Mm -hmm. and then simultaneously we kind of explore how that event affects all of her closest relationships including her best friend
0: Mm. yeah Mm. and it's deep too because the best friend is a male right right yeah so even more so it's I can only imagine because I could never put myself in that position because obviously I'm a male but like to to look at your friend who is a male I would be so distrusting of any and all males that ever came my way ever again. So I can imagine like, that's why I'm saying. This story is very important and very much needed to be told. And I'm so excited to see it. <laughs> t-
1: talk about the title anchor, right? It, it, is that, is that a play off of feeling anchored to the situation as to what happened to her and how it's, it, how it's affecting all of the relationships? Where does it, t- where does the title come from?
2: Yeah. So it's kind of a dual title. So her best friend in the film is a, incredible swimmer. Uh-huh. He's the ah. relay anchor. Um, nice. he's also kind of like in the aftermath of the situation, he's kind of like her one possible anchor to any sort of hope of, of what could happen or it being brought up. Um, because you know, a lot of the times when someone brings that up, your first initial reaction in society is okay. Well, first of all, did it really happen? Right. And if so, how did it happen? And could we have prevented it? So, anchor is kind of like a, a dual meaning in terms of he's the relay anchor and he's also the one possible anchor to any sort of hope for her coming out of that situation.
1: So, so talking about that though, I, I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought that up about did it happen and, and how that whole situation because I feel like a lot of people don't address the fact when they're doing these type films, right? that there is the potential that it didn't happen, right? Especially in the era of the Me Too movement, right? If, if there's a vindictive person, woman or man, that says, I, I don't like this person, I want to go at it, I'm just going to say this. And mm-hmm. the instinct is you don't want to not believe that somebody was assaulted, right? So the initial thought is, is like, yeah, that happened, but it might not happen. Did you, did you guys in the writer's room and, and as your team – Look at that situation and say, "How do we approach this? And how do you know? How do we write it to where it's believable and and take into the side that it there are people out there that it didn't happen to that said that it happened to? I mean, talk about that a little bit."
2: Yeah, so it was definitely something that crossed my mind, and we talked about it in the writers' room. But for me, going into the film, it was really important that we kind of what kind of like tackled it from a perspective of how can we change the conversation from asking those questions of, did it happen? If so, I want to know the details to believe it happened um, to how can we support victims? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because more often than not, that's what it, the conversation goes to. It's like, I don't know what to believe. So therefore I'm not going to believe you until it's proven. Right. Um, And I kind of had a realization moment during this process of where In society, criminals are always um, innocent until proven guilty. Uh But when you take a survivor of assault, they are more than not the villain until they're proven to be the victim. That's right. And that's really a hard pill to swallow. Um, So for me, it was tackling it. How can we shift the conversation about, about what happens and stuff to more so forefront? How can we support? And then the later thought being, okay, is there a chance it didn't happen?
1: Love that. And first of all, thank you because we need films like this, right? We need films to start conversations. You can entertain people and have it be a good story and have people really enjoy it from an entertainment basis. And have a conversation and start dialogue <laughs> that needs to be out there. And so thank you for making a film like that. It's crucially important. And you're so right. So many times the victims of sexual assault are villainized before everything is out. And, and you know, even how do you support somebody that's being villainized like that? You know, even though in your heart, you know, they're telling the truth and you know, all that so, so important to, to get that message. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see this film. Right. Where is it going to be released at?
2: Uh, it's actually on YouTube right now.
0: Fantastic! Oh. Everybody can go and watch it right now after the yeah. interview. After the interview. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I said, we're super excited because you are a young, up and coming creative, and you have your own production company. Let's start there. Where, I mean, how did that come about?
2: Yeah. So I graduated film school in May of 2020, mm-hmm. which was right kind <laughs> of at the exact yeah right, right at the height. A- <laughs> Um, And my original plan was to go directly to L.A. after school. Right. Um, But then COVID happened and I was like, yeah, there is no way that I'm moving to a new big city to go live in a tiny apartment by myself right now. Um, So I went back to Michigan to stay with some family over the quarantine and was yeah was kind of reintroduced to the beauty of west michigan mm-hmm. um and there's no film here uh so i quickly became very passionate about bringing film to the area mm. and then started exploring what the possibility of starting my own company would be and then just was like okay we're going to go for it
0: love that yeah i love that perspective because so many filmmakers and creatives they just go where the hubs are they either Uh, Escape to LA, they go to Atlanta, they go to New York, or, you know, sometimes New Orleans, sometimes New Orleans, depending on what season the incentives (laughs) are. Uh, But I'm originally from Indiana, and it's always been a dream of mine to go back to the home state and make a film there as well, because not a lot of things happen there. So it's just, it's very important, especially going back to your home state and trying to build up the industry, basically, become one of the four mothers um, of the entertainment industry there.
1: And, and the chances of success, right, are infinitely better, right? It's so much better to be a large fish in a small pond, right, than that small fish swimming through the ocean out in L.A. or, or wherever, right? It, so, so it's smart. I mean, and a lot of people think at some point you have to make the transition, right? You have to go. You have to do the journey because it's part of it, right? Right. But to start where you're starting – and we were in Biloxi, Mississippi when we launched our production company. Nobody even knows where that is. They're like, where's that? You have to tell them, oh, it's close to New Orleans, right? (laughs) Like like they don't know. Um, So – but it's good to to start and bring it and, you know, because there are people like yourself, you know, young people, passionate and talented and creative everywhere, right? And they just don't realize they can do it where they're at. And so people like yourself to inspire them and say, you absolutely can do it where you're at and go for it. We love that. It's what it's all
2: about. And I think, too, the most important thing as someone trying to break into the industry is to make your own content. Uh, And if you're outside of those big hubs, people are excited about the possibility of having film in their area. They want you to come film there. So people are willing to help right where you're at. That's
1: very true.
0: <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. And, I mean, with you being a lover of the entertainment industry as well, I'm curious to get your thoughts on how Warner Media and HBO Max is, you know, figuring out this same-day release date streaming <laughs> slash theatrical because everybody in the entertainment industry has their own opinions, so I'm just curious on what yours is.
2: You know, it's interesting. I understand it mm-hmm. to a degree, but – I'm also a fan of seeing things on the big screen. Right. So, and we're also accustomed now to just watching things at home because we're used to it from COVID. Right. Right. What I don't. I miss the theaters, and I I would if I have a choice between streaming and going to a theater, I'll go to a theater. It,
1: it, you know, uh, us too. Yeah, us too. Wholeheartedly. Um, it's really interesting taking it back to suits and creatives, right? I think the suits all love the idea of we'll just throw it on the streamer on the same day, Beca- and investors love that because it's an opportunity for people to see it. It's gonna it's gonna make some revenue, right? Right. But creatives hate it because creatives make their stuff to be seen on the big screen and it's talent makes stuff to be seen on the big screen and so you know th- there's that balance right you gotta It might make your investors happy but you're gonna piss off your creatives and if you piss off your creatives you might not be able to make more movies with those people and then so it's that mm, what do we do right
2: absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah
0: for sure, thought it was just like a nice quick band aid when everything was shut down. But then right. once things started reopening, we should have taken that band aid off and reevaluated everything. <laughs> like yeah. around the time where they released uh, the third Conjuring, I think that's when mm-hmm. they start of yeah. like should have started reevaluating things because like uh, the new Sopranos movie did not do well at the box office. Uh, Space Jam did not have legs at the box office. Just different types of, I think, big summer films and or fall films, because now we're in the fall, um, I feel like would have performed so much better if it wasn't for the same day streaming.
2: Absolutely. And it's a totally different experience, speaking of The Conjuring. I watched that at home because yep. I was like, okay, why not?
0: Why not? Right? Yep." And I
2: was like, man, now I wish I saw it in the theater. i like, no, like, yeah. it's not the Experience.
1: Exactly. But now let's flip it to the other side for creators like you and for creators like us, right? Because the streaming platforms are brilliant for content creators like us, right? Yeah. They give us the opportunity to get our projects seen in, in, in a possibility of where we might not have ever had that opportunity before, right? And especially the stories that we're telling, the story that you told with, with the sexual assault victim, the story mm-hmm. that we told with suicide and, and, and abuse and, and bullying, Um, those are stories that aren't getting 4,000 screens, right? So we need that platform Absolutely. to be able to put those stories out there. And so- there is a positive side for the streamers as well, right? So oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah, it's a tricky situation because again, as a consumer of film, I want to see it on the big screen. <laughs> right. But That's right. And as a creator, yeah, I you can't replace streaming. It's you know something that we just have to right. do and very grateful for streaming services because of that. That's right. So it's just kind of like a tricky. That's why we just line. do
1: our premieres at the movie theater. We do yeah. our red carpet event. We see it on the screen and then put it wherever <laughs> you want. <laughs> yeah. There you
0: go. Love it. I love it. And another big topic of discussion in the entertainment industry right now is social media. Mm. We've had a lot of you know actors on, directors, writers, and casting directors. And a few of them have mentioned that sometimes they do look at the social media numbers. What do you think about that? Do you think social media is important in the time that we live in or you know what do you think
2: okay so I have kind of a interesting perspective on this as someone who stumbled into social media Mm -hmm. um never planned on using social media for any of this and then uh kind of ironically had a situation which I then kind of gained a little bit of traction Mm -hmm. um now I see it as being extremely vital to the success of projects and how you market them. Um, so I think I look at it a little bit differently than maybe I would have a year ago. Right. Um, but now I just think it's incredibly important to market things and everybody's always on their phone and on social media. So it's kind of the best way to get in front of people.
0: Yeah. What do you think about it in the sense of uh, casting people? Like what if someone who comes in who is like amazing, knocks it out of the park, but doesn't have that following compared to someone who is
2: "Eh, okay
0: but has an amazing following on social media.
2: So I, I mean, I'm personally a fan of finding people who are like the hidden gems. Yes. Yes. So to me, that wouldn't really matter too much. I do understand coming from a marketing perspective, having someone who you can market. Right. Um, but my heart is with discovering new talent, so I kind of see both ends of it. I love that
1: to- totally because what, what what's her name? Addison Ray? Is that it? Mm-hmm. Like for every Addison Ray, there's a hundred that have a huge following that can't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. And you cast them in like, oops. So you yeah. you know you might strike gold once or twice, but you, you know, I, and we're with you. We like you know raw talent undiscovered talent right not that it isn't great to land a name or have somebody that's established and good right you need that for the money that i mean that that we there, it's a realistic business and it is a business but boy to find that raw undiscovered talent and say wow look what we just found that's amazing isn't it
2: yeah that's when i find that like i got very lucky in anchor with most all of my actors yeah <laughs> Like little hidden gems that I could have never imagined finding. Mm -hmm. Um, And I look back at that. I'm like, man, we're just so lucky.
0: Right. Yeah, we got really lucky as well. Like one of our main stars is a more of a theater actor and majority only performs on stage. But when she got in front of that camera, she carried that thing. Like we are just blessed. And like you said, just finding the uncut gems like they're absolutely amazing.
2: That's so cool. I'm curious. Have you worked with theater actors before in film? No. I have, he has,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. this uh, was my first ever film set, so I was like you know, <laughs> learning everything I can and geeking out a little bit. <laughs> he did amazing.
1: Don't let him fool you. He did amazing. Uh, but yeah, I had worked w- with them in the past, and and th- there's been pluses and minuses to it, right? You know, because the, yes. the, coming from theater, the, you know they understand the blocking. They do understand the staging. They understand, but they're clueless about cameras, right? And like, and not being over the top, and not being—it's like, ooh, what you right. have to do big on this, you don't have to do big here because the camera's right here, right? So, yeah. so facial expressions and and hands and stuff. So, I, I I think finding that mix, finding somebody that you know has got the talent, right, but also mm-hmm. understands that it's a different realm that you have to perform in those are those are hard to find but i would never not cast a theater person because you can teach them the the camera side of it right you can't teach somebody to act they either can or they can't right um so yeah and, and it's always fun it's always fun
2: yeah that's my experience working with theater actors that come into film it's so cool to watch them kind of do that transition right because they're learning and you're just seeing them process it and it's just such a cool, cool experience working with theater actors. And
1: that's where an actor-friendly director is huge. Yes, <laughs> right, because you understand the, pro- the you know what they're doing and what the process is. And speaking of that, how 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 tight are you on the dialogue? Are you open with ad-libbing and like you know as long as they don't change your story, you know, yes. are you cool with that as a director? Like, go for oh, it.
2: Absolutely. it's my favorite thing so a really good example of that is with anchor when we were writing the script there was just a scene that I was like man this dialogue is just not working for Mm -hmm. me but I I don't know what it is um so during the final callbacks I said to my producer I said okay I just want to do another round of auditions here and I want to do improv yeah give them kind of a sense of okay this is what's going on in this scene go for it and that's it just tell them the direction kind of of what the scene is and a lot of that scene ended up getting pulled from the improv. Oh, I love and that. then nice. again on the set, things change. So I always tell my actors what feels natural as long as it's not changing the direction of the story, go for it. Because yeah. what feels natural to you is gonna come across as natural on the screen. If you're trying to force out my words, if it doesn't feel right for you, it's just not going
1: to work. Oh my gosh. We should take an old recording of a zoom during one of our auditions. And it's like, you just literally said what we said. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Honestly, almost word for word, because I'm the same way. And I even take it a little bit further and I'm saying, don't do it as the character. Do it. What would you do in this situation? Because I need you to react naturally. So how would you react in this situation? And it always gives you the best stuff, right? So if you're ever like not sure about something, just let them go and you get the best stuff.
2: Well, and it's so it's genuine. Then it's authentic. Exactly. what You're going for with making a movie. You want everything to feel real. And like you're watching real people and not you know crafted characters that's
0: right exactly exactly well to liven it up a little bit at the end of each episode we always want to ask our guests what are you currently streaming for television and what newest movie did you just see
2: so i i've seen it before but i'm getting ready for the next season mm-hmm. um i'm rewatching yellowstone oh yeah and I love that show. I think it's so well done. And Taylor Sheridan is just a genius storyteller in general. So that's definitely what I've been watching. Are you
1: excited for the prequel with Tim and Faith? Like, that's, that's going to be pretty awesome, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're going to have to go back and listen. We interviewed Denim Richards. Like, you should go back and listen to that interview. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah oh, it, got, little, it got a little deep. It, well, but we did talk <laughs> about Costner <laughs> and Yellowstone and a lot of stuff. But it got a little deep. Yeah. <laughs> that's good that's right okay and the next one we like to do to kind of keep it fun and exciting is what is your most embarrassing moment on set
2: uh i think okay so i have one but it's not on set it was from back in my acting days when i did an audition
0: okay that's fine
2: it was actually my first audition for a student film and i had a monologue prepared i was all prepped and excited and ready to go and it was I was living in Michigan at the time and the audition was in Chicago. So mm-hmm. I was probably a freshman in, in high school. And I went to my parents and I was like, can we please go to this audition? Right. Um and we ended up going. And you know, I prepped the night before in the hotel. I'm like, okay, feel ready. I get there, I walk into the room and I start my monologue. And it's it's going good. About halfway through <laughs> it, I'm just like, uh, what am I supposed to say now? <laughs> oh um, never. <laughs> Um, and so I was like, I'm sorry, can I start over? And, and the director was great, was like, yeah, of course, of course. And at the time, I, I didn't realize that we were probably close on a closer playing field than I thought it being a student film and then right. later going to film, right? Uh, but so I started over, and then I got probably maybe one sentence past where I was. And <laughs> And so I was like, oh no. I was like, I'm so sorry. And then moved on to the cold read, but I couldn't tell you what the cold read was because <laughs> my brain was focused on that train wreck. Right.
1: <laughs> and at that moment, you're like on an island by yourself, by yourself. lost yeah. with just like no help, right? You're just like, yeah. oh yeah. that's I walked funny. Out.
2: I walked out of that audition room, got in the elevator and the door shut and I just I was like, oh
1: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> but look at you now exactly. so there you go right
0: exactly <laughs> all out.
2: That's nope. right.
0: we love it we love it and like we talked about it's all about social media now so where can people follow you
2: uh instagram you can find me on instagram at pageirene bruns mm-hmm. or my website is www.pageirene.com
0: fantastic. fantastic and we know your um your production company has a uh, instagram as well so what's that one
2: Yeah, it's Affinity Insight Pictures. There it is. Nice.
0: Fantastic. We just want to push as much people there as possible because we're all about the support. And, I mean, uh, welcome back anytime. Anytime you ever want to talk about anything. We have an industry news segment where we talk about the latest stories that are going down in Hollywood every single week. So if you wanted to come on for that, we do a top five segment. Uh, Last week, it was top five date movies. Like, you know, just trying to keep it fun, things like that. Talk about box office. But, yeah, we like we said, we're just, Super happy to have you on and promote you because you got a bright future coming your way.
1: Absolutely, and speaking of that, if you ever want to brainstorm or collaborate on anything, we, we'd be wide open. You definitely seem like the person that we would want to work with and associate ourselves with. You seem to be on the same field with the same direction that we want to go, and so that'd be fantastic. So keep that yeah, in mind I would too. I
2: love that. I love that. I'm always looking for collaborators, so same goes for you guys. Awesome.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, listen, take care, and we'll be reaching out to you soon, and you have a great rest of the night.
2: Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, you're of very course,
0: welcome. Of course, We'll talk to you later. Bye. Right, bye. 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 Man, that was absolutely fantastic.
1: I mean, it was, yeah, fantastic is the word. Uh, it just, it's always so awesome to see young people people going after the dream and succeeding, right? agree. I mean, this is a person much like yourself, you know? Inner 20 says, hey, I got this dream, I got this goal, and I want to do it, and smart enough to go... I need to go to a place where I can do it and be able to succeed and kind of how inspiring for all of our listeners out there that think that they can't do it. Exactly. Yes, you can do it. So it's amazing. Exactly. Have all the drive
0: in the world. You just got to figure out where to focus it. And I love that she came back to her home state and started to build up that industry too, because it's all about giving back to the community that it came from, to be honest with you. So it's an amazing thing. And I mean, thank you again, Paige, for coming on the show. Alright, now it is time for the Top 5 segment, and keeping with that DC momentum, it is Top 5 DC Movies this week. Yes. We're super freaking pumped about it, because last week it was Top 5 DC shows, and of course we had to follow it up with that, with the huge, mega, epic event that was today. Uh, So that's why... We're here. We're here. We're ready. We're here to rock and roll, man. Uh, My number five goes to Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. If you listened to last week's show, and we know you did – I mean, I said it. I said this was going to be on my list somewhere, and it is. This is by far one of my most favorite films coming from the DCEU. I mean, of course, it was back in the day. Not that far back in the day, but a little bit back in the day. But my favorite interpretation of Batman is Batman passing on the cowl, in my opinion. So especially when the quote-unquote doctor, crazy-ass supervillain comes back. And you think he comes back, but he didn't. It was actually Jason Todd. Spoilers. Um, But it was great, in my opinion, so that's why it's on my list. Number five, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker.
1: Yeah, I mean, well done. Well done. I was going to put the killing joke on there, but I I decided to leave it off. And um, I don't know. I I just did. My number five is Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Mm. I just think that it fixed and it should be the platform of which the rest of the DCEU continues to build off of in the movie universe yeah. um it is good it is dark in tone yes there are some things that needed to you know, be tweaked here or there, but it's a solid foundation to build the DCEU off of, especially if you're going to do the multiverse. Mm-hmm. So just I, – I I liked it, and I'm glad HBO Max finally gave the opportunity for people to see what it was supposed to be. And, um, and, and so, yeah, it's one of my favorites, and I just think it should be continued. That's all I'm saying. Agreed,
0: man. It was like one of my favorites too, but I didn't want to put it on my list because I knew it was going to be on yours. But (laughs) um, number four for me goes to Aquaman, the original one with Jason Momoa. Man, oh man, this was absolutely phenomenal. And if you didn't see it in 3D, you missed out because that technology with them underwater, it was absolutely amazing amazing and I mean he just embodies the character he has a passion for it so we're super excited for him to come back for the sequel but the first one like I said was just groundbreaking in the sense of people got excited about it and not a lot of people were excited about DC movies for the last 10 years so in my opinion one of the best so far Aquaman
1: I, I agree with you. I mean, when it was first announced, I think a lot of people were like, you know, well, first of all, the first thing that came to mind when it was first announced was Vinny Chase and Aquaman. Yeah, entourage, right. right? But I think in all reality, and myself included, I think everybody was like, ooh. Can we make Aquaman cool for the big screen? Because this is a guy who basically rides around on a giant seahorse and talks to fish. Right? How cool could he be? But Momoa did it. Momoa pulled that shit off and made him like a badass. And so, well done to James Wan and Momoa for giving us a cool fucking Aquaman. Yeah, it's a good choice. It's a good choice. Um, my number four is 1992's. Batman Returns, the second time under the cowl for my Batman, Michael Keaton. Um, Just brilliantly done with Danny DeVito's Penguin and Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Uh, Just – it was so damn good. Uh, And and again, just upgraded. I I think Keaton's Batman was even better than he was in Batman. Uh, I I just – it's it's a brilliant movie. Um, It's dark. Right. But I think that's where we were going with it with Tim Burton and I liked Dark. Um, it touched on mental health. I mean, fucking Catwoman, Selena Kyle, that version was fucked up. It does. Um, you know, she 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 had some issues, but then everybody did. It throw in the fact that it had Pee Wee Herman and Christopher Walken right winning all the way around. I just think it was a brilliant movie. Um and yeah, my number four. Batman Returns. Yes,
0: man, yes. My number three goes to a newer one that we have out right now. It is The Suicide Squad, Mm. James Gunn interpretation. I just thought this one was absolutely amazing uh it was so much better than the first one in my opinion the comedic relief was there the characters were there that not a lot of people know of and then spinoffs after spinoffs it's just absolutely amazing i've rewatched this thing at least three times so far and i mean it just came out like two or three months ago so i'm just saying it's really damn good (laughs) but of course you get the fucking the standard james gunn weird shit at the end with the fucking floating octopus so you know but yeah, it's no, James Gunn. But it's James Gunn. So I
1: mean, you ha- you have to you have to have James Gunn weird stuff. Yeah. Um. I just like how he pieced it together, and whether you think it did or did not, um, may or may not take place in the same universe as David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Right. Same characters, same actors. Right. Just totally different storyline, but they never didn't say that Will Smith's dead shot still was like or yeah I mean so it's interesting you could conceivably weave them as in they were the same group just different people this time um the I don't know the,
0: some of the same characters died it's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. It's James Gunn. Exactly. It's, it's all they could good. could make it happen. It could make it happen. Oh, uh, look. Okay, so let's see. My next one is uh, Wonder Woman. Yes. We talked about it a little bit uh, during the industry news with uh, Patty Jenks, but I just thought this was absolutely brilliant. Um, it paid homage not only to linda carter's iconic wonder woman from the 70s and my childhood and my crush and just like brilliance that that was it not only paid homage to that it not only paid homage to the what wonder woman is what she stands for for women and little girls everywhere and and superheroes in general but it also paid homage to superman the movie um it just everything about it 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 was the way you make a superhero movie in my opinion and she did it brilliantly and like honestly i mean okay like i said linda carter the og right and childhood crush and i thought she was just like the most beautiful wonder woman ever but can we get any more freaking perfect at casting than gail godot right like if you're gonna say wonder woman most beautiful amazon on the face of the planet a godly woman like gail godot was like the single best casting you could have ever picked that woman is freaking beautiful like just perfect wonder woman um yeah Wonder Woman, number three. (laughs) I don't have a crush or anything. No, not at all.
0: (laughs) Not at all. Uh, Number two for me goes to The Dark Knight Rises. This one, I mean, Tom Hardy just alone as Bane, I think was just phenomenal. The best Bane interpretation that we've seen on screen so far, live action, because that one shit from – George Clooney's was so bad, so freaking bad. We just don't even acknowledge it. We don't acknowledge it. It's fine. But then I'm honestly a huge fan of Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, which might be toppled over by Zoe Kravitz, as we just talked about in the industry news segment. But then, of course, my Batman, the one and only Christian Bale. (laughs) Uh, I just think this was a great... Ending to the trilogy that James, art James, Christopher Nolan uh, put together. And I love that he put his own thing together. He went with his own storyline, taking little bits and pieces from, you know, the comic book stuff, but he put this own little universe together and it was very freaking successful so that's why number two for me is The Dark Knight Rises
1: well there you go and my number two also Bruce Wayne <laughs> my number two is the 89 Batman Keaton's the first outrun at the Batman Jack Nicholson is the Joker Kim Basinger oh my Robert Wall uh just ab- Jack Palance oh my god just a fucking brilliant cast and look let me tell you something um it without this movie there is no MCU Period. The 89 Batman restarted the resurgence of superhero films at the box office. Again. It was like the big one. It shattered all the box office records, biggest opening weekends, everybody like lines around the buildings to get in, people trying to sell off their seats and shit. It was massive. And it was a huge resurgence to the genre. Um and without that, you don't see any of it. You don't see the X-Men come later, you don't see Blade, you don't see the Dark Knight trilogy. you don't see. none of that happens unless Batman is successfully kicks back off the superhero genre because it faded after Superman. And it, it kind of just there were hit and misses. Supergirl flopped, and there was a flop here and a flop there, and then it was dead. And the 89 Batman, By the way, which nobody thought was going to be successful when they announced Keaton as the guy, right? Like, who's this comedy guy that's going to come in and pull off The Dark Knight? And yet, there it was. And so what that film did and how it launched back to where we are now and what we see now, I I think it's brilliant. And kudos to Tim Burton and to Keaton and to Nicholson and everybody involved for that film for pulling it off so successfully and doing it the way it was done. And welcome back, my Batman. <laughs> welcome, welcome back. back. <laughs> uh,
0: if you listen to the show or follow us anywhere, you guys should be able to predict what both of our number ones are. Yes. To be honest with you. Uh, but my number one goes to The Dark Knight. Obviously, freaking Heath Ledger, we had John Papsidera on to talk about casting that film. And was he just absolutely amazing. But, I mean, this film right here is the reason why I wanted to become a filmmaker. Because it was just so amazing. It was over the top, but in the right ways and not too over the top. And it was just all around just Almost the definition of a perfect film for me, and especially with it being a superhero film, just makes the cherry on top, man. So that's why number one for me is The Dark Knight. And no
1: surprise what my number one is. It's Superman the movie. Yes. And you could slash it for Superman 2 because it was all intended to be one giant. I knew you were going to say Because you have to put it out there. It's just fact. It's just fact. Uh, But my number one, Superman the movie and i'm just going to go to it and i'm going to continue to say it over and over and over because it is fact it is the movie that all of these live up to they all the it is the bar it is the one they all try to achieve it is the one that they all want to be it is the grand which only makes sense because superman is is the og superhero he's the first he's the biggie he's the and that film was the first um what they were able to accomplish back in 1978, and when you think about when they were shooting that thing, you know, around 76, 77, came out in 78, but we just watched uh, the original Willy Wonka. And, you know, the little flying scenes where I see the cables and all that. You go watch the 78 Superman, you don't see shit. You think that man is flying, and it is like, it. they didn't have CGI. They weren't doing green screen. That's all practical. That's all cables. That's all like, you know... It's fucking brilliant what they were able to pull off and make people believe that this man is Superman and he's doing these things. Um, It's the reason we're here. It definitely made me want to be a filmmaker. It's like, oh my God, I can do that? Yeah, that's what I want to do. Um, And make no mistake, it is what everybody tries to achieve. Feige says it. Before any Marvel movies even made, they have to watch that film and they, they all come together to watch that film. It is the single thing that they all achieve, want to achieve to do. And and so and rightfully so, Christopher Reeve was the epitome of what a superhero should be. He pulled off the 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 godly indestructible Superman but also the fallible, goofy human Clark Kent, brilliantly.
0: That represents the world, not just America. That's
1: right. That's right. And um, the iconic love story between him and Lois and like just all the things, man. Superman the movie. That's right, man. That's right.
0: Well, we want to know your top five DC movies. Let us know. Be sure to comment in the YouTube section or... On social media, we love the fan interaction. So please, let us know. We're all about it, man. We're all about it. Now, heading over to the box office recap. By no surprise, James Bond did amazing last weekend. Pulled in five, uh, $55.2 million at the box office. Venom Let There Be Carnage didn't have a bad drop-off, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, I mean, compared to week one to week two, a lot of them are going crazy, but this one wasn't as bad. $31.8 million. Uh, the Adams Family uh, 2 came in at number three with 10.1. Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings is still hanging in there with million and number five is the many saints of newark with 1.4 million i'm surprised that's still in top five to be honest with you
1: yeah and good thing james bond had a good huge opening weekend because it's not going to be number one this week
0: it's not (laughs) it's not i think fucking yeah halloween's gonna be amazing i think that's obviously gonna top it yeah top it, gonna take it to number two but dune man
1: dune the week after that it's gonna be huge. I'm, yeah, man. I mean, Halloween needed to make all its money this weekend too. I'm curious to see where the last duel comes in. Right, that came out too, and like, are people still wanting to see Matt Damon and Ben Affleck? And like, you know, I I don't know.
0: I want to see it, but the trailer is not appealing. I mean, yeah, no, I just them them in medieval times is really weird for me to see i agree but i want to see it just to see how it is and
1: now i just another one that, that that's coming out this weekend i just want to put this out there because um they spelled it wrong um it's bergman island but there's two ends on bergman guys mm-hmm. there's two just letting you know i'm the only bergman that matters <laughs> there's two ends. right i'm just saying mm-hmm. great that they gave a movie about my island i'm fantastic i love it um but it's two ends, guys just let me, me know just let me know
0: Movies you can still go see that are still at the box office, possibly in a theater near you. We got free guides still hanging in there at some theaters. Dear Evan Hansen, be sure to go see that one. We did it. Is it worth it on that? Be sure to watch that on the YouTube channel. Lamb, Candyman, uh, Meat Opera, uh, Boris Gundavu, something, whatever the fuck that is. Sure. Um, The IMDb Pro top trending segment. You guys know we love it. We love it. Um, The top trending movie by No Surprise is No Time to Die. The top trending TV show is, by no surprise, Squid Game, because Netflix should just focus on TV Mm -hmm, original mm -hmm, programming, mm -hmm. and they would be so much more successful. Um, Because, I don't know, we didn't talk about it, because everything was about DC fandom, but... DC or uh, Disney Plus is supposed to catch up to Netflix by like what 2027 it said yeah. or something yeah. like that so it's not that far away and especially with Disney Plus keep overperforming on these expectations each quarter I'm just saying I'm just saying, yep. focus on your original television content. And the top trending star is Ana de Armas, by no surprise, because she was in No Time to Die and played her part brilliantly. I'm just letting everyone know, Ben, you're a dumbass. Um, right?
1: Yeah. Great show. Great show. It me. was fantastic. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to make a prediction that I think uh, next week on the show, the top tending, uh, trending TV show will either be one of two things. Dope Sick or Peacemaker. Mm, mm. It's gonna be one of those will be the top trending show. Yeah. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, the the reviews and just the the overall blitz of positivity from the fans and the critics for Dope sick. It's unreal, yeah. so I, I would not be at all surprised if, if that's number one. But then Peacemaker had a huge fandom, so that could potentially do it as well. So exactly. I'm just making
0: that prediction. It's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting. we got to thank our guest one more time, the one and only Paige Irene Bruins, for coming on the show. Be yes. sure to follow her at her name, basically. <laughs> I mean, if you follow us on any of our platforms, we at her all the time. So be sure to follow her, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to follow the company and podcast at Crazy Aunt Media and at ItCap Podcast. You guys know you can follow us both personally on social media, myself at JLoFantastic, and at
1: Crazy guy 1970
0: That's right, buddy. And you guys know you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Anchor, Apple Fact. Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, our Hit Radio Podbean, Stitcher, so much more. And be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, hit the like button on the video, subscribe to the channel, and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notification that we have coming out. Out on the channel because it is important to you, it's important to us, and it's important to everyone in the world. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Um, and be <laughs> sure to visit our website, www.crazyandmedia.com. We're going to start rocking the latest and greatest crazy and media gear. New merch is just right around the corner. Yes! So freaking excited.
1: And maybe something to do with a pumpkin. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Who freaking Cause knows? Because pumpkins aren't just for Halloween. Exactly. It's oh, that's true. Shit. That's a t-shirt. That's a like, sh- may- maybe that's coming. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> pumpkins. <laughs> They're not just for Halloween. Exactly, man. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, like I said before we started recording... Peacemaker. (laughs) Peacemaker.
1: It happens to everybody, buddy. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) The Flash. If you're not watching the YouTube channel, you you missed out. Peacemaker, The Flash, (laughs) and I don't even know what the third thing was. Uh, (laughs) The Batman. uh, No, that wasn't for me, though. I mean, you. You. But uh, Peacemaker, The Flash, (laughs) and... Black Adam, those 3 things. Those are the most 3 that I'm anticipating.
1: Yeah. Uh I uh, the Batman, Flash and Keaton's Batman and, yeah and um yeah, I just I'm most excited about those. But I also Batman the Caped Crusader. Yeah. A fucking more adult version of Batman the Animated Series. Sign me up. Yeah, they probably saw the success of Harley Quinn and were like, oh, let's go for it. Oh, we can go for ones. it. Yeah, Bruce Timm's like, come on! Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But there's somebody that has to be introduced to one of these freaking universes somehow, I mean, some way.
1: It only makes she would be the
0: best superhero ever. Ever. Yeah, right? The one, the only.
2: Oprah! Oprah!